Hey everyone, welcome back to Highly Unlikely with Josh and Janae. We are so excited. We have one of our favorite people on the podcast today. And if you don't know of her already, you are going to love her when you're yeah. done listening to this conversation. We always tell you that the people are great or our favorite, but legit one like of the great one ones. Of, yes. Right here. Uh-huh. So um, Destiny Diaz is with us and we are so um, just grateful that you'd take the time to be on the podcast. Mm. And why don't you say hi and just tell a little bit about yourself before we dive in. I am so excited to get to be with you guys because you are some of my favorites. So the love is completely mutual. Um, like you said, my name is Destiny Dees and I am married to um, my high school sweetheart, actually. Um, we live in Bossier City, Louisiana and are parents to five kids who range in ages from one to 11 years old. I can't believe that's possible. Mm -hmm. um, we're lead pastors of North Point Community Church. And um, in addition to that, I'm in the marketplace in a variety of ways. Um, that's been my journey is kind of to the church through the marketplace, even though I am a preacher's kid and a um, grandchild of a preacher and mm -hmm. grew up in church. Um, I've always kind of seen those two things together. So I'm excited about being on your podcast. I'm excited about your heart to resource everybody in the church, not just the people who see themselves as professionals, but mm -hmm. people who see themselves um, as what we all should be as Christians, building right. the kingdom together. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, we have to start with tradition, which is the question. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, I pulled three. Oh, we're only going to do one. Today. I did. I did not try. <laughs> she's picking oh. from three different questions. Man, it's... I like this uh, one. Okay, go for it. What is your favorite form of social media? Oh, my favorite form of social media. I love Pinterest. Oh. I love Pinterest. It's my favorite. Does that count as a form of social media or is that just a magazine? I feel like, like it, 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 it has a feed, right? Yeah. I think it counts. I think it I does, think which would I wouldn't it. have thought of it as it, but now I will. I do. It's like my favorite. It's my absolute favorite. It's, I, I love being able to get new recipes and new ideas for things. And so, are yeah, you that's, like, it's, it's kind of like educational social media. That's so hmm. true. Are you like a pin it and do it or pin it and it looks pretty on my Pinterest board? And why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to recipes, it. <laughs> when it comes to recipes, I'm a pin it and do it for a lot of different recipes. Mm -hmm. uh, if it comes to my home, I'm a pin it and look at it because I'm never going to do it right, right. Um, in a million years. So it kind of depends on what it is. I actually made a board that was pinned it, did it, liked it. <laughs> like, okay, if I oh, actually wow. did it and I pinned it on a board, then I put it there. Haven't transferred one to that board in many years, but, you know. But it's there. It's there. But that's There's actually a, a really great idea. I may have to steal that. That's right. awesome. Maybe I just wanted to feel productive. Now, I, I love Instagram. I'm an Instagram girl. It's my fave. It's true. What about I, you? Uh, I have a love-hate relationship, I think, with a lot of social media, but <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I use, actually, the most. I actually really like to follow news, so I hate Twitter for what people say, but I like to follow up to, like, up-to-the-minute oh, yeah. updates on some things. Mm -hmm. um, so that might actually be, oh, it makes me vomit a little in my mouth to say that Twitter would maybe be my favorite. No, but if you really curate your social media, it is funny how it can change. 
right. the way that you absorb news. So you, yeah. I, I can see that completely. It could just be a news page, depending on who you're following. And I don't even contribute. I just consume. I was going to say, I don't think you even tweet. <laughs> it's true. I don't. I don't. Very funny. Oh, that's me with Pinterest. I've never posted anything on Pinterest. Right. I'm just a, a pin consumer. Yeah. So if you if you look me up at, on Twitter at Josh Sheldahl, you'll see I have six followers or something. Like that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Anyways. Going strong. Uh, I think Destiny, I am one of them. Sorry. One of the things that's so great about you guys and about your family, but and you specifically, is I think what we've seen from both like your family of origin and and you and Philip and like your lives is that you guys are so gifted. And I think sometimes we talk about gifting or calling, especially like in the church world or from pastors talking to each other, and people think about like preaching or leading worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, in your family, I think you said there's like somebody in law enforcement, like there's singers, there's preachers, you're in law. And um, I, can you talk about all the different lanes of like giftedness that are present in your life? I know you guys wrote a book. We'd love to champion that on here too. It's just going to the publisher, but eventually, you know, give it a shout out. And But can you talk about kind of the different giftings you have? I'm asking you to kind of self-reveal and promote a little bit, but, <laughs> but then how did, how did, how was that fostered in your life, you know, and in your yeah. family? Absolutely. Um, I, I think maybe I'll start with the second part of the question first. Um, my father, um, was, uh, born in kind of the era when football was not something that church kids really did. That, that seems so far away that it's hard for people to even remember. But in the sixties and seventies, if you were really serious about church, you were at youth group on Friday nights. And Mm. of course, that's when the football games were. And so Mm. my grandfather didn't feel like that was, uh, the way that he should go. And so, um, football was the gift that God gave my dad to reach his college campus. And there were hundreds of people who came to know the Lord, and many notable um, pastors actually came out of that revival. Mm. And then later on, he went to Evangel College, and um, he started the football program there and was able to mentor so many different people. And so he always used to say that God put a football in his hand so that he could build the kingdom, Mm. and that you should always look at what's in your hand because it's what's in your hand that's supposed to build the kingdom. And so um, my husband husband actually was a product of that football that was in my dad's hand because he came to our school and was on my dad's football team. And so my my dad coached him and mentored him, taught him how to preach, discipled him because of what was in my dad's hand. And there was a prayer that he used to have them pray before they'd go out to practice. And um, it went like this. It just said, Lord, bless our worship. Now, they were going out to football practice. They were not going to choir practice. But he would say, Lord, bless our worship. But that's the way that we were taught to think about every single thing that was in our hands. My parents never encouraged us to go into the ministry because in their mind, every single Christian was going into the ministry. Mm. So no matter where you got your paycheck from, you were going to live out um, the ministry. And so, like I said, you know, one of my brothers is a police officer. That's the way that he lives out um, his ministry. That's how he builds the kingdom is meeting mm-hmm. people um, in the crises of their life mm-hmm. and being a calm and caring voice. Um, I have another brother who's in the entertainment industry. And, um, you know, I, I have many other siblings who are in full-time ministry in Miami and in Shreveport, um, which is the city next to us. But for me personally, I never meant 
to become a pastor. It was very accidental. Um, I went to law school instead and got my master's degree in East Asian studies, and I was planning on spending the rest of my life um, doing law in China or doing law in East Asia. And God took us for a hard right turn um, mm. to Bossier City. And so I just started doing what was in my hands. And so I had relationships in China, and I had a, some experience with supply chain management. And so I started working with startups, creating supply chains, um, helping other people launch their dreams, um, helping other people see what uh, they wanted to bring into the world, become a reality. And that has been a great joy in my life. And then I got to know some of um, our public officials. And I realized that in this world of being able to speak direct to, you know, the the public, they didn't know what to do. They hadn't grown up in that era, um, mm-hmm. many of them. Um, and then others, they just were very intimidated by it. And so I started a design company that handled social media and website design and direct to um, uh, consumer conversations for these public officials. And then two years ago, um, everything changed with COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started getting deeper into actually being a lawyer, um, not just as kind of a sideline, but as something that would be central to my life. Uh, I started representing nonprofits um, on a formal basis instead of just kind of as a consultant. Um, And then also helping the same startups. Some of the very same startups that I created supply chains for Mm -hmm. now are my legal clients. And and it's wonderful to help them to build build their dreams. Um, And then I had some people in the church and who I was close to uh, pass away. And they weren't prepared legally for that to happen. And I realized there was this huge need for wills and successions. And so I started doing that and helping people to figure out that end of life, which is this, as you guys know, I mean, it's a massive pastoral Mm -hmm. moment when you're trying to get people to think about the end of their life and you're trying to get people to think about, you know, all of those things. What's the next thought? What happens after, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not just what's going to happen to my things when I leave this earth, but what's going to happen to me when I leave my things, when I leave Mm -hmm. this earth? You know, what, what does eternity look like for me? And kind of in the midst of that, out of you, you mentioned our book. Um, in the midst of that, out of our church journey, we've uh, written this book, House Habits. And it's about the way that we organize um, our values as a family and now as, as a church. Hmm. Um, the habits that we believe are building our life. And we just sent that to um, our publisher and it should be out um, around October 30th. So That's it's a amazing. busy life. It's a full life, but it's very hard for me to differentiate between what I do that other people would consider full-time ministry and what I do in every other area because it's all worship mm-hmm. because it's in my hand and God gave it to me. Yeah. To build his kingdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love one of the things you said, and this wasn't the point you made that I was planning on following up on, but uh, I sit with so many families who have had an unexpected loss and mm-hmm. they're sitting in a funeral home or sitting with a funeral home director. And that person or the pastor looks at them and says, what verses or songs do you want at the wedding, you know, or at the funeral? And their loved one passed away like yeah. 12 hours ago, you know? And they're yeah. just devastated. They don't know what to say. And I always, like, I've started telling people, man, just write down on a piece of paper, like, in your Bible, you know, right. here's some of my favorite songs. Here's some of my favorite verses. Like, if anything would ever happen to me, just take this piece of paper. And I think that would solve so much of what families have to go through in that first 24 hours mm-hmm. if everybody would just yeah. do that. Yeah. 
Well, it's so funny you say that because there's also the side of um, his, in marriages especially, his name's the only one on the bank account. Yeah. Mm. Now he's died unexpectedly. We can't even get funds. What are we going to do? Right. Right? There's all these things that happen. And so one of the things that I'm actually working on right now is a weekend that churches could put on Hmm. that would be an end-of-life weekend. And you would go through and you would do things like write down all of your favorites. But the reason you would be doing that is also to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Because so many people don't even take the time for self care to yeah, think right. about what are my favorite things, right. what are the things, and then who are the people who are really important to you in your life, mm-hmm. and what do you love about them? Have you told them that? Yeah. yeah. But then also getting in line the legal paperwork so that your loved one doesn't ever have to think about it. They know all of the details. And people think about this as something that 70-year-olds or 80-year-olds or 100-year-olds need to worry Mm -hmm. about. Really, by the time you're 18, you should start having an iteration of that process because people don't realize even when their kids go to college, you suddenly, you know— have to deal with all of those things. Yeah, so, well, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm with you. It's it's a massive need and it's a massive loss because what's mom's favorite song suddenly becomes another aching pain. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let us know when the weekend is ready and we'll see. We'll <laughs> yeah, out. right. That could be a whole podcast in and of itself, how to prepare for end of life. Yeah. Seriously. It's a catchy it's title. Yeah. No, I think I love what you said. It's whatever God's placed in your hands is worship. And that literally is for anyone listening. That could be, um, you know, that could be something in a hospital. That could be something in the home. Um, any could be a teacher, whatever it is. Um, and I think how, how has it played out in your life or how would you encourage those listening of what does it look like to treat what maybe I view as my occupation as ministry, if in my mind I view ministry, like Josh said, in one way? I think that really is the core question of being a Christian, because just because you're working at a church doesn't even mean that you're viewing what you're doing as ministry, Hmm. um, or that you even feel like what you're doing is ministry, because a lot of um, work that you do within a church environment is not praying for people or laying hands on people or doing that. There's a lot of administrative tasks. There's a lot of planning. And you guys know that better than anybody, right? And so I I think that it's a question that we all have to struggle with every single day um, because we want to live not just a career, but we want to live a life Um, of a Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. And I think that starts for me with that very old quote, and I'm not going to remember which saint said it, but um, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Yeah, Um, I I think that actually is a great quote, because it's a beautiful picture of the fact that we ourselves are one of the very best um, uh, pitches, one of the best sales pitches for Christianity, right? Is that when our lives are truly transformed from the inside out, then we're able to live lives where we have God's perspective um, in in every situation. And so we're going to live our life, whether it's in the legal field or whether you're in the oil field, you're going to be the kind of oil field worker that Jesus would have been Mm -hmm. if he had been an oil field worker. Yeah. 
You know, I have a really good friend. Um, now they are just pillars in our church. They're retired, but he spent 28 years on the oil field in Saudi Arabia. Hmm. And he talks about how that was his ministry field. Mm-hmm. How the men who came onto his team were his disciples, whether they knew it or not. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because he was living a life that he hoped that they would see something different. But then he was also speaking life into them. And then they would come to him with things and he would say, well, let me tell you what I do when I have a problem. I pray and take it to God. I'd be happy to take your issue to God as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we can get caught up with the restrictions of, well, I can't just stand up and preach the gospel. Well, that's not actually that effective in, in very many environments outside of a church anyway. Yeah. What's really is effective is living the gospel, being mm-hmm. truly, truly different. But that's very hard, right? Yeah. Because we want to like concentrate on like concrete actions rather than complete internal transformation. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would say is um, don't worry so much about how you can use your job as a ministry. Worry about how you can transform yourself into a minister mm-hmm. so that no matter what you're doing, it's an outflow of your worship to Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then things start coming into alignment because otherwise mm-hmm. everything has to do with the market, yeah. right? The market's giving you your value. So, you know, the market doesn't pay me as a mom. Mm-hmm. So, so society puts that lower on my ranking, mm-hmm. right? It's a distraction from my career. Mm. But if if I no longer am allowing the market to give me my value, but I'm getting truly getting my value from God, I'm truly getting my meaning from becoming more like him than changing my kid's diaper this morning and giving him his milk, looking him in the eyes, speaking over him, praying over him can Mm -hmm. be just as meaningful as writing up a succession document or dealing with, you know, a bank or counseling Mm -hmm. somebody at the church. It it all can have meaning because it's part of my worship. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to really change our mindset from that doing mindset to that becoming mindset. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yes. It takes uh, the part of Scripture that says, follow me as I follow Christ, to Mm -hmm. a whole new meaning of even people maybe following you and not realizing that they are following the way of Christ by your example. If they start following your way you react or respond or, you know, um, choose to live your life with decisions and— I love that. That's so encouraging. I was just talking to somebody about this conversation today. We were talking about Moses a couple hours ago. And like you said the whole thing about taking what God has already put in your hand. And that was God's solution Mm -hmm. for Moses. He's like, take that staff that's in your hand that you're using to shepherd and let me use it according to what I want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And that would become a symbol of God's power, you know, working through Moses. And I was talking to them about like, how do you— how do you actually do that? Like Moses is rejected, you know, he was raised as an Egyptian, but then he's cast out. He's in exile. He's Mm -hmm. shepherding now. He's got a past and, uh, and he's in Horeb, which I didn't even really realize this, but they started talking about how Horeb actually meant wasteland. Mm. And it's later that we associate Horeb with mountain of God or like where God's presence was, Moses didn't have that context when he saw a burning bush and God spoke to him and this Mm -hmm. is holy ground. He was in a wasteland, you know? 
Mm. And we were just talking about how you, it's not that God's going to, and later Moses would say, God, you've told me to lead these people, but you've not told me who you're going to send with me. Yeah. And how the real mm. components of like being used by God, no matter where you're ministering, are what has God already put in your hand? Like identify that and how can you use it for his kingdom? And then realizing like, yeah, I'm nothing. I'm the wasteland. But it's when yeah. when I'm in the presence of God or when his spirit, he's the one who comes and gives me everything that I need. So mm-hmm. it's not like you have everything it takes. You know, you're so good at what you do, like, and just encouraging the person. It's like, no, if God's presence comes and goes with you mm-hmm. into your workplace, into that oil field, into wherever it is, and and that's what God has put in your hand, then all you have to do say, hey, I think God is speaking over here. And it says Moses turned his attention to the burning bush where God Mm -hmm. was. And when he gave it his attention, God spoke to him. God gave him what he needed. God sent him out. And and I know that that's something that every one of us can do. Like, what's God put in my hand? You know, and and what can I, what does God maybe want to do that I can't do unless Mm -hmm. he's in it? Right. And it's not about how good Josh is. It's about Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit that works in me making Mm -hmm. that come to pass. And so, I, I would love your thoughts on that, but also I know that that's something that your parents fostered in you guys and that you now foster in your kids and in your church people. And do you have any other thoughts on practically how does somebody do that, you know, wow. and, and live that out? Oh, man, that's so good. Um, you know, I think that something that I'm wrestling with right now is that the point of life isn't just for me to do and to build. Mm-hmm. But for God ultimately to transform me. Yeah. And that changes the way that I view every situation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And totally. so it 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 has it has radically changed the way that I've I even approach what's in my hand. Because the staff shaped Moses long hmm. before he realized that God had put it in his hand. Yeah. Wow. Right? So he mm-hmm. spent all that time in the desert having the staff shape him because instead of a scepter, instead of authority, he suddenly had a different, right? And so it's yeah. shaping him. Mm. And then God uses it again to shape him because he flows through it and he shows him it could, it was so much bigger than he could have ever imagined. Mm. But this is, I think, the, the ironic part with a lot of what you see in the Old Testament is that it really all the way up until like, Pentecost, is that people miss the transformation part to a certain degree, right? Mm -hmm. So like Moses also strikes, right? He misuses Mm -hmm. and he misses out Mm -hmm. because part of the process was to transform him into somebody who really thought like God. Mm-hmm. And so we see that, you know, in my favorite, my favorite supernatural, what's in your hands, supernatural process story it is the story um, of the feeding of the 5,000. Mm. And the reason I love it so much is because you can see so clearly what Jesus is doing to his disciples, right? So yeah. he starts off and, and they, they identify a problem and bring it to him. There's all these people, they're hungry, um, they're sitting watching you preach, Please send them away. And we know, you know, if you read a little earlier in the story, it's because they want to get some Jesus time. And that's mm-hmm. great. I mean, I, we all want some Jesus time, but they, they want their own time. They, they're annoyed by these people. And you can kind of read it in the text and, and really get that out of it. And so they're like, just send them away. And he goes, no, you feed them. 
And I think he was trying to show them, hey, see the problem completely differently. Like, see it different because I see it different. Why is it any different for me to feed you than it is for me to feed all of these people? Mm. And so, you know, when you talk about, like, um, the Holy Spirit flowing through you, I, I think it's not about how great I am. I agree, but I think sometimes we miss this component of you should do everything you can do because mm. God wants to do more mm-hmm. than what you can do. Yeah, yeah, that's so So there's good. this, right? So run so as good. hard as you can down the path, but keep expecting that he— So, so okay, like if you're talking about a church leader, mm-hmm. so you can build a church of 500, believe that God can do right more than right. that. Right. Yeah. He, like you can dream to be able to do— Dream that God can do more mm-hmm. than that, you know? There's this whole concept in the scripture of just this exponential growth when we connect to, to God, right? Like yeah. that it, it, you can look in the parable of the sower, the good seed, and it's a hundredfold. I mean, it's insane, the, right. the amount of multiplication with God, but there's still— And so I encourage people, maximize yourself. Mm. Become as great as you can be. Yeah. Be the absolute best police officer that has mm-hmm. ever existed. Mm. Strive to have the best grades of any lawyer that has ever been. Like right. do, do do the biggest thing. Do everything that is possible in your power so that you have the chance to stand at a feeding of the 5000 moment. Mm. Yes. Because so God good. will be faithful to bring something that's bigger than your capacity. Mm-hmm. If you say, "Hey, bring something that's big but then understand that even before it gets to the moment where everybody else and you can see that it's supernatural, realize that all of that's supernatural too. Mm-hmm. So that staff is shaping me even before the bush yep. shows up, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's shaping me all the way after. And so, you know, I mean, just going back to the feeding of the 5,000 moment, you know, they have this miraculous time. He, he takes what's in their hand, you know, a stolen lunch from a little boy. I, I get it. He gave it up willingly. Sure, he did. <laughs> but anyway, they take the, the lunch that was procured, and, you know, they, they bless it. They invite the supernatural in. They add structure before they even do that, right? right. Like, this is the beautiful moment of the church where they add structure and then invite the supernatural. Wow. And then, right? And then, and then there's leftovers— but right after that, they get in the boat and they're afraid. And Jesus says, you didn't get it because the transformation hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that for me, the thing that God is just impressing on me is, what if you do all the amazing things? What if you build the greatest church in Bossier City history? Mm-hmm. What if you are the greatest lawyer you can imagine? What if you launch 50 amazing startups? Mm-hmm. If you miss out mm-hmm. on the whole point that that process was supposed to transform you into something. Yeah. Mm. That difficulty of being on that oil rig was supposed to transform you into something. That right. that pain of being a nurse in the middle of COVID was supposed to transform you into something. Mm-hmm. Right. Like our pain's not wasted as Christians. Right. No. Yeah. We believe God takes everything and changes. So I I guess that's what I would say is like I I think we need to do both. You know, mm-hmm. just yeah. maximize and then, because I'll tell you, I'm at a moment right now where I'm so aware that I'm over my head mm-hmm. and that if the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and 
blow things up. There's no, I've set my sights too high. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to that moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too much for me. Mm-hmm. And it's been the coolest thing in the world Wow! to realize that, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been a fun little journey of being 40. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love how, how you explain that. And I think even having the drive and, and the vision to be the best at what God's put in your hands, that can so quickly, if you forsake the transformation, that can so quickly yeah. turn into pride and turn into yeah. self-sufficiency and that, oh, I'm so great. No, 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 that's not the point. It's that you would be transformed, that you would then stand and any good deeds, any good thing would just solely point to Jesus. Yeah. I love that. I think you bring up some really great points. And um, I'm thinking about the staff. I'm thinking about, you know, what you said about Jesus stealing a lunch from a boy and thinking that's probably where the line, like stealing candy from a baby originated, right? Jesus probably (laughs) said it first. That's funny. I like that. Uh, but in all seriousness, the thing you're talking about with the staff, it's like Moses went from influence, Come on. you know, you know, to obscurity. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, the thing that he held in his hand in Egypt was probably very different than the staff he held out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. so could have resented mm-hmm. what was in his hand. Mm-hmm. And you, you reference like a nurse during COVID or a police officer for the last couple of years and yeah. just realizing like, even if that's the staff that God has put in your hand, don't resent it mm-hmm. because it's actually that thing that God mm-hmm. wants to take. Like and it's a, steward and, it. Yeah. And it's like at the times where it feels the most inconvenient or like, man, is this really what God is calling me to do? Or it doesn't feel like things are going your way. It's like in that weakness when we persevere, that's mm-hmm. actually where God yeah. shows up yeah. and says, hey, I want to mm-hmm. talk to you over here and do something <laughs> totally different than you expected mm-hmm. with what's in your hand. I mean, yeah, if transformation yeah. for the gospel is right around the corner, the enemy will do his best to discourage you yeah. from breaking through and realizing why you're walking through it and what the Lord could do for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to also touch on this because I feel like your life is a beautiful display of this, that you have all these gift sets and you've done all these things, but you are crucial to the life of the church. And mm. I think yeah. if someone's listening is like, I am busting my butt 50 hours a week at my job or whatever it may be, why yeah. should I be a part of the life of the church? Why should I not yeah. just come and receive? Because I right. do this with my life. And if that's my ministry, why do I need to be in community? Why do I need to be mm. a part of the church in an active way? Like I just need to come and receive. Yeah. You know? Why as a believer yeah. is that so, so important? I, I can't, you know, it's very hard for me in some ways to even answer that question because I've been in church my whole life. So mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll be very open and honest about that. At the same time, um, there's very few things that we do, even if we work in a church, there's very few things that we do that are just solely focused on God mm-hmm. other than church, if you mm-hmm. just think about it, mm-hmm. right? So, so— we can change our mindset so that it's all ministry and it's all worship. But there's very few things that are, or maybe I should say it this way, that are uniquely Christian, right? Mm-hmm. That that are our tribe, that are mm-hmm. our culture, that are our whatever. And and that matters. God, God created tribe and culture. Mm-hmm. He created that. Mm-hmm. And 
if you're going to follow him, you need to get into a tribe and a culture and you need to stick there, but then you need to add value there because nobody wants members of the tribe who just aren't adding any value, honestly. Like you have a responsibility as a member of the tribe to care for others, Mm. uh, to care for the next generation for sure, Mm -hmm. to pass on your heritage, to pass on who you are because God has put you in a unique expression of his presence on the earth. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that's really, really important in this whole age and era of like, um, you know, knowing where you come from and like your own culture and all of these different things. It's really important that you find a culture and that you stay planted there and that yeah. you become a functioning member of that community and that society. But I would go even further. If you're going to say that Jesus is the center of your life, then how in the world can you not put a expression of him, the local mm. church, at the center of your week. Hmm. So I, I think one of the reasons that people don't is because they don't really take themselves and their lives seriously hmm. in terms of budgeting all of their time. Hmm. So I, ha- I have some friends who are a part of a, a different tribe than I'm a part of, but it's an expression of Christ on the earth. And one of the things that they do is they teach to figure out how many hours a week do I have in this season to give to kingdom building, Mm -hmm. specifically to my tribe, right? Right. So, and then instead of coming to the church and saying, I want to do this, they say, hey, I have five five hours right now in this season. I have 10 hours a week in this season because that's put into their time budget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think if we thought of it more like that as opposed to, well, I just want to receive in this season. I really don't even know what that means. Right. Because I have never been in a season where I was just showing up to church. And I have had those where I was just showing up to church, um, like when I was in school or whatever, that I was really receiving Mm -hmm. more than when I was building the church. Because Mm -hmm. building the church is where you receive. Building Mm -hmm. the kingdom of God is where you actually get your faith sharpened and changed. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't think there is anything more important than community. And right. community is where we gather and then we go out and we do the things, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if I don't have that gathering point and I'm not around the other people who are, then then I'm just getting my culture from me, right? That mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. I need real human beings mm-hmm. helping me become more like Jesus. I need other Jesus followers yeah. showing me how they live for Jesus. It, I need that. And so, um, I, you know, I, I don't think that these arguments of I'm just going to show up because I work so hard during the week. Everybody works really hard during the week, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it doesn't cost as much as you think it does. The other thing is, is if you have kids, I mean— you should be going to all three services. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but I just think you should because they need to hear it three times before they're mm-hmm. going to get it. I remember we used to have three services. Now we have two. My little four-year-old walked in or five-year-old and she said, Mom, I'm so glad we go three times because it takes me that long to really understand it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? And and so, you know, I think sometimes it can be, oh, well, it's your season. Come on. Yeah. Like, it's your health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's your spiritual health. It, it's mm-hmm. it's your life. It's your core of who you are. Like, mm-hmm. lean in. Do something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Um, and keep trying. Um, make sure you get nice and offended and get over it before you move somewhere else, hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting offended and moving on. Because yeah, right. if you get offended and move on, then that's a cycle you'll continue for the rest of your life. Like, right. just have those good habits of community. And I think mm-hmm. that's, I think, th- I think that's just so incredibly key that that be, because how can you say that your work is your ministry if you're not willing to do the, the tribe thing, right? Mm-hmm. The culture building thing, the kingdom thing. That doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're missing part. Yep. You I really are. You really are missing of part. If you're going to proclaim that Jesus is the center of who you are in your life, why would not the gathering that is— Of his body. Exalts him, of his body, be yeah. the center of your week. I mean, that is—just tie it, wrap it with a bow. Deliver yeah. that. That's, that is yeah. perfect. I, well, I think it is on the church, too, to say— because I think church at times can become so much about the staff or the one pastor who preaches or the worship yeah. leader and making sure that people know where they fit, you know, and yes, we're talking. And I think too. with this generation, it's really important because I think we're just learning Gen Z is they're producers. They want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. There's, I, we, yeah. I was telling you, there's a couple of guys sitting in the room who are like doing video with us and they're what, 16, 17 and 19. And That's um, amazing. I'm going to talk about one of them. He doesn't know it, but one of them came up to me yesterday and was just like telling me that their band is going to be a part of our women's conference. And I could like see the excitement on his face, you know? That's amazing. And I thought this is, and our main, one of the things that I maybe boast too much about is that in our church on Sundays, there's oftentimes that our two main camera operators for our main service that goes out on television, everything are like 10 and 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. But I think the church has to turn around and say like, it is our job to equip the saints, yeah. you know, for the work no. of the ministry. And instead of yes. like, it's our job to plan the services and run things and mm-hmm. really coming yes. back to like, it is our job mm-hmm. to, I heard one pastor say, if you take a job at the church and you do the work of the ministry, I will fire you because it's not your job to do the work wow. of the ministry. Mm-hmm. It is your job to equip people to do the work of the ministry. And so Mm -hmm. I think churches too, we have to learn that and Mm -hmm. like empower people. Mm -hmm. And I've tried, I've been trying to tell our church, like I'm taking it on us now, our commitment that we are going to equip you. Yeah. So if you're going to show up, if you like, if there's a gift of God in you, which I know there is, which I know there is, then we are going to equip you in it. And that has to be our, our rally point and our commitment. Right. And I love what you said, looking at your time budget. Yeah. And that is such a practical application. Like how many hours do you have a week to give to kingdom work? And even we've been challenged in that, like, man, even let your church body, your home church, let them know what your gift set is. It's okay to say, I love that you said you're, you know, have legally represented um, kind of church bodies or like a network. Yes. Mm-hmm. Things like that where you're using your gifts to help the overall church in so many ways. But, man, if you can build a wall like the best of them, oh let your church know. If you can fix and patch holes in a wall or and you would rather do that than like greet and hold a sign and a pom-pom on a Sunday yeah. or something— that's a that's good, and that then informs us. A, how much time do you have? B, what's your gift set? Because right. you're naturally going to operate more in that. And I just think too. Sometimes I don't know about in your guys's kind of more southern culture, but I think in our Midwest northern culture, it can be like, no, I'll just wait for God to tell them that I'm good at this. Like we don't like to oh, say what yeah. we're good at, what we're gifted at, or what we need. 
or what we need on both sides, 100%. And so I think, man, if every believer would, A, just take the time to realize, wow, this is a specific gift set God's given me, B, Mm -hmm. how can I let the church know that's my gift set, and then C, open my time Mm -hmm. to serve the overall capital C church in that way. Right. No, Would you that's say that's huge. the goal of this whole conversation? <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm loving this yeah. conversation because I think this is something in my mind that I'm really rolling around mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. just like, man, people have left the church during COVID. Churches are smaller, you know, mm-hmm. than they've yes. ever been. And I'm just like, I does the church does the church feel it because gifted people have walked out of the room, or has our crowd just gotten smaller? Mm. You know, oh and man, it should be. That people yeah. are gifted and they're engaged, and when they're not there, right. you feel it because something is That's lost. You know, or you, it's not you're just grieved a number. by more than just oh, our crowd's smaller. You're grieved by oh, God wow. wants to use that. Like gift their unique in contribution you. is missing. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so they're missing such a fulfilling part of serving Jesus. And we love to talk about uh, the story of Jesus's first miracle at the wedding, turning the mm. water into wine, and that the only people who truly, truly got to see it happen, got to experience and realize that a miracle just took place was those serving and the servants that were pouring, Mm -hmm. filling and pouring, you know. And if you step into a place of serving and opening yourself up to that, whatever your gift of whatever Mm. you're doing in that spot, you're opening yourself up to actually see miracles take place. And you may be the only one that in that room or in that moment understands, oh, God just did something here. And then you get to testify about it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just to affirm you guys, we look at your lives and say, man, five kids and writing a book. And, you know, I know your husband does some coaching with people Mm -hmm. and um, just you're, I can just, I think part of the answer is you just love the church, you Mm -hmm. know, like just within you, there's just a love for the house of God and the people of God. Yeah. And you've chosen, like, no matter how many kids we have in their ages, we're going to work it around being a part of the Mm -hmm. body, you know, and we're going to, whether it's in law or in the book and how we manage our home or in preaching. Eastern Asian studies. Is that what it specifically was? Like Eastern? Oh, my master's, yes. East Asian studies. East Asian studies. That's so specific. I mean, we just got to be honest with people. If you don't know Destiny, she's just unbelievably brilliant. You know, like that's just one of her qualities. The other one is, as somebody else once said, she can quote, preach the paint off the walls. And so she's just so gifted. (laughs) Very true. But I think, I don't think that that's just you. I think there are people Mm -hmm. that are uniquely gifted. You've just been trained Mm -hmm. and committed to honing that and Mm. using it for the kingdom. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I I would say this is the center of our life growing up was the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was the most important thing. And we went to the men's meetings and we went to the old people's meetings and we went everywhere and I'm so grateful that my mom made the center of our lives the church. Mm-hmm. I really am. And I know that's what you guys are doing with your families, and that's what you're encouraging with your church. Y'all's church, oh my goodness, it inspires us mm-hmm. so much the way that you um the way that you do equip and empower people. I, I quote uh, I quote you all the time about how you said if you step up, um, then other, wait, if you step in, other people won't step up. 
Mm-hmm. I tell my staff that mm-hmm. all the time. I'm like, now, hey, listen, my friends told us if we step in, other people aren't going to step up and they're not going to mm-hmm. have the opportunity to be a part of the miracle. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm grateful for your example in that because you're right. I mean, even the little kids, um, they can be a part of building the kingdom. And mm-hmm. I've watched it with yeah. my kids. They, they're on teams and they're serving and they have mm-hmm. such ownership of this place. My oldest daughter told my uh, children's pastor, hey, I'm gunning for your job, you know? And so it's like, you know, I love that. I love that they love the church this much. Mm -hmm. But that's why we do this is so we Mm -hmm. can pass it to the next generation. Right, right. And have it be in better hands than it was with us. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's the prayer, right? Oh, that's awesome. Well, this was such a fun conversation and Hopefully those of you listening were encouraged in some form and even spurred ahead and on to what mm-hmm. God's placed in your hands and what he set before you to steward. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're a part of a church, go to your pastor and say, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm gifted at. Is there any way that I can serve and be a part? Here's how much time I have to give. Or go to your next steps or discover or growth track, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and and just say, I want the church to not just be something I attend on Sundays. I want to be a part of the body and I want to be equipped. Yeah. You know, where I'm where I'm called to be. Mm-hmm. And so And that could be, hey, I love listening to a podcast and uh stuffing envelopes. Can I come in two hours a week and do that? Seriously? I mean, it can be the kingdom of God and meeting the needs can be so practical and we can put too much pressure on it too. So well, I love that, Josh. If That's I can so just bring it back around to what you said earlier about like do everything you can to the best of your ability. Like a church, mm-hmm. a pastor, a church staff can take the church so far. Mm-hmm. But yes. if we're going to see the provision and the abundance mm-hmm. that God really wants to bring to his church, yeah, then it's going to have to be the people that he's put in the church's hands, you know, mm-hmm. really stepping mm-hmm. up and, and stepping into mm-hmm. that and using their gifts. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we love you guys. I mean, seriously, just like uh, people we look up to and respect and have done some life and ministry together. And so like Janae said, thanks for being on today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we love you guys. Yes. And this is just fun to see you as a friend. Mm-hmm. So yes. well, those of you listening, if you appreciate the podcast, just please subscribe to it um, and rate it and share it with your friends. Um, and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye.